I am Simone Cipriani and I am an officer of the United Nations. And I'm Claire Press and I'm a sustainable fashion journalist. You are listening to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. We can change the world. This episode is about fashion and art, healing and opportunities in Burundi. Today, a creative scene is blossoming, with artists, musicians, photographers and designers using the power of self-expression and the beauty of creativity to connect and foster new economic opportunities. You're going to meet one such creative who designs a sustainable and ethically produced jewellery brand handcrafted from cow horn and brass. Simone, this episode, we have a beautiful interview with Margot Rosita. She is the founder and designer of a brand, a jewellery brand called Margot Wong. Isn't it lovely? I mean, this interview blew us away a bit, didn't it? Why? It did because it was, she's capable of speaking about multiculturalism, about living together peacefully and in a collaborative way. She's able to speak about the healing power of art, of design, of manual work for communities, for individuals. It's a message of hope. And that's why we wanted to have her as a standalone podcast. It's gorgeous, isn't it? It really is. And she's a new mama. She's a mama to five kids. A mama to five kids with a multicultural background who speaks about Burundi following a different narrative, a narrative of collaboration, a narrative of community building, which is the grassroots building of a nation, the grassroots building of a country. That's what she does. Margot is part of the Ethical Fashion Initiative's Accelerator Program for African Designers. And you'll hear us mention that. And if you haven't already listened, make sure you check out last week's episode with some of the other designers from the most recent round, Lucanio Mdingi and Giamini. The Accelerator Program for 2021 is already underway and will focus on emerging designers based in Benin, Burkina Faso, Ivory Coast, Eritrea, Kenya, Mali and Uganda. Keep an eye on the Ethical Fashion Instagram at Ethical Fashion and their website to stay across future programs and follow the current designers on their journeys. Margot Rosita joining us from Bujumbura, Burundi. Welcome to the Ethical Fashion Podcast. Thank you so much, Simone. It's a pleasure being here and having this lovely chat with you. Nice to meet you too, Claire. We are so happy, Claire and I, to have you here. Tell us about Margot Wong, your brand. How would you describe it? What do you design? Who for? Well, yes, my name is Margot. And actually the brand, Margot Wong, was also my name before I became Mrs. Rosita. The name Wong actually comes from my, my father's family. We are mixed up. And some of us are Chinese blood. So that's where the name comes from. We design jewelry, but especially sustainable and ethically produced jewelry made of cow horn and brass. I had a vision to create beautiful jewelry, jewelry that would be lasting. I am an old soul and my grandparents raised me. So I, I've seen my grandmother's jewelry. She had beautiful, beautiful handcrafted, you know, necklaces and earrings and even her clothing. You know, they, they lasted forever. 
And so that really influenced me on what I thought I could create. We designed for wonderful women, especially, um, let's say between the ages of 30 to 60, who live in big cities like Lagos and Paris and New York. And these are professional women who are very, very conscious of fashion and especially sustainable living. So that's who we designed for. And I see that craft and artisanship are, are obviously very important to you. How do you approach it? I think it begins with my lifestyle. I am an artist at heart. I prefer to be described as an artist as opposed to a designer because I like to dabble in all kinds of art and craftsmanship. But it's very, very important to me. I think the way we express art as humans is a very innate and personable act. And it's actually a way of us sharing you know, who we are deeply as individuals with the world and with whoever we choose to share with. I read this interview with you where you described art or the possibilities that art gave you as a window I could open when I needed to breathe. I thought that was so beautiful. Yeah, definitely. Since childhood, art has definitely been a window that I open when I need to breathe, for sure. Growing up in... uh, I suppose in, in an area where we were not wealthy and growing up also in a home where I was not necessarily looked after as children would generally be looked after because my mom was mentally ill. Um, but she somehow found a way of, of creating space for me to, to dream and to, um, to experience childhood from an artistic perspective she suffered. For, she suffers still from schizophrenia, and so there is an an issue of um, of fear. So she wouldn't let me go out to play. She wouldn't let me visit the neighbors to play, but she would, you know, allow me to express myself with art. So definitely, that has had played a role as a child and growing up also. Wow, that's a powerful idea, isn't it? That art can be both an escape and a connector. Let's bring that word luxury into this. How does your work today connect both you, but also the wearer of the jewellery, to Burundi and to the country's artisans? And what does luxury mean to you? So Margot Wang is very, very focused on preserving handicraft and anything that's artisanal, especially the jewelry that we make that's connected to the Burundian culture specifically. Burundi has been through a really, really tough time over the last, let's say, 30 to 40 years in terms of civil wars and so on. And I found that art was lost due to this and the appreciation of art and the ability of artists to express themselves because their goal had become survival. So nowadays, when we're getting back into art and appreciation of art, it's very, very rare to actually find an artisan who has experience and who has mastered traditional technique and has been able to preserve it and perhaps pass it on to someone else. So we work with artisans who actually you know, use traditional techniques. We work with uh, hand motion drills, 
and saws, you know, things are cut by hand and, and we're very precise in what we do. And I suppose that's how it connects to the luxury you speak about, because it is that in itself is a luxury, the ability for artisans in Burundi to be able to use their hands to create things using techniques that should have been lost because of the wars and so on. But they somehow kept it and it's quite valuable So right now we're working with brass artisans and uh, sculptors of horn who were once sculptors of ivory and being able to actually pivot them and their skills into a sustainable, sustainable way of using their skills has been a challenge and something that we've actually kept on and on trying to perfect and implement and and support. Simone asked you what luxury meant to you and I wonder if you might define it. Um, luxury for me is is freedom. It's being able to experience anything that edifies you as a person, that edifies you spiritually, physically, mentally, I don't see luxury as something financial. Let's just say that. It's not about the financial value for me. For me, it's more about how you connect as a human being to a particular object and how it helps to enhance your life and how it helps to enhance your perspective and how you build around that and, uh, and in turn treat your community and your, your family. And it's about enjoyment and freedom and peace and joy. That's what luxury is to me. Hey, Margot, I know, I know you are passionate about sustainability. Uh, how do you apply this thinking to your materials, to your work? Um, as an artist, I aspire to produce something that I've never seen before. And uh, being in Burundi, where what we do is completely new, I have free reign, you know, on how to use these materials. I intended to use sustainable materials because of many reasons. And one of them includes being able to source locally. That's what, that was our intention because Burundi is such a small country and we're landlocked. So it's quite a challenge to import materials. And we wanted to make sure that whoever is in the community would benefit from the business So the people we source the horn from, the people we source the brass from, the artisans. Yes, we wanted to make sure that everyone who was involved would benefit from every component of what we did. So in terms of cow horn and brass, we really tried to use every small piece of material that we get our hands on. It's very important to us to not leave waste behind And it's very important for us to, to be able to, to easily access all of these materials so that we can sustain the business and so that we can grow the brand and, and create more jobs and these kinds of things. The brass, we offer a service in our, in our business where, you know, if a client purchases jewelry from us, We would clean the jewelry and maintain the jewelry. If something is broken, it's repairable. And that's something that our clients really love. And it really keeps them coming back to us, that personal touch. And um, being able to keep 
the jewelry that they really, really love and not have to discard of it. That's very, very important to us. And uh, the horn is, uh, it is biodegradable as it is a natural material. And our aim is to maintain the integrity of the horn in terms of its color and its makeup. So we, we do not add artificial colors. We do not add any paints or varnishes or any of those things. The beauty of the horn comes out when, when the hands of the artisans lay on them and um, they're able to polish through. About the cow horn specifically, how do you ensure that it's ethically sourced? The horn we use is a byproduct of the meat industry in Burundi, and um, it's material that often goes to waste. In Burundi, starting from the grassroots, the farmers, we have what I would say is a natural, more traditional way of, of rearing animals in general. So it's possible to trace back to where the horn, the cows came from, depending on where we're sourcing the horn. So for instance, um, we use some horns that come from a, a species of cow called Inyambo, and this comes from Tanzania. That can be traced back to the farmers, just as horn that we source that come from the country itself can be sourced back to the farmers. Most of these cattle are reared free roaming on farmland that's uh, not as, I suppose, um, progressive as the Western farmlands are. But we also make sure that, you know, we get the horn um, from people who are known to be in the industry and are reliable. This is material that often goes to waste. That normally goes to waste. That not Because it's material that really normally goes to waste and that you recover from waste. Because it's material that would be wasted. It's a matter of fact. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's what it is in a nutshell, that we utilize materials that would go to waste or that would build up somewhere uh, in a junkyard or some, some sort of thing. You grew up in Guyana, didn't you? And then you, you moved back to Bujumbura. When did you move back to Bujumbura? And most importantly, can you tell us something about the fashion and creative scene in Burundi today? Yes, I was born in Guyana and that's where I grew up. Um, I actually lived in London for a few years where I worked as the PA of a really lovely designer, Catherine Walker. And she was one of Princess Diana's favorite designers. And I think that's where I began to learn about luxury fashion that sometimes it would take three months to, to make one dress. And I, I realized, wait a minute, this is pretty nice. I really, I really like the process of creating, you know, beautiful things that are lasting. And it's okay that it takes time, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. So I moved to Burundi with my husband and our, our twin babies. And um, the fashion scene was very quiet we moved to Burundi at a time when Burundi was actually now coming back to a peaceful season. So things were quiet. You wouldn't really find people on the streets very late and so on. But, you know, very quickly things changed and we began to see fashion 
playing a role in entertainment and uh, we began to see you know more local products being produced and exhibited locally today it has grown so much leaps and bounds it's just amazing and it's been 12 12 years since that time i talked about and you know i've been engaged with uh designers and artists musicians photographers and it definitely has started from scratch you know as we would say where everyone here that's a designer or most people here they've not been formally trained they're self-taught people who who love art and who love expression and color and and people and just deciding to pick up some fabric and and to pick up some beads and you know let's let's make Burundi into the the wonderful colorful place that we know it used to be so right now, I mean, if you look at my Instagram, there are so many collaborations happening among Burundi, Burundian artists and, and um, designers. And I recently did something, you know, with a makeup artist, a local makeup artist who produces her own makeup and photographers and other designers as well. And it's beginning to, to acquire a life of its own, a very, very particular Burundian way of expressing fashion is being birthed at the moment. Obviously, because of COVID, we're unable to be out and, you know, showing off what we create and so on um, in person. But online, I can see that it's, it has really, really grown. How inspiring and wonderful to hear you talk about this creative kind of flourishing that comes out of not just the economy, but peace. I just think there's so much power in creativity. And when we listen to you explain how the fashion scenes developed, you can really almost taste it. It's amazing. I love it. And there are such an amount of things in your story. The healing capacity of art, of design, which is so beautiful. And then moving this healing capacity into Burundi in a place where you couple it with the healing capacity of manual work, of working together and of human connection. It's all together, human connection, art, uh, manual work, all together create like a safe space for creativity and a safe space out of which creativity can flourish, as it is in your case. I'm really impressed by that. And, and I think that this is one of the beautiful things the African continent allows, because the African continent, with its connection to traditional skills, to manual work, to materials, and its openness, its openness to creativity, to different cultures, is a special place to develop fashion, to develop to develop art in general. Isn't that so? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, there's a neighborhood in Bujumbura I love to drive through, and some people don't understand why. This, this neighborhood is what we call the Swahili neighborhood. And it's filled with people from all over Africa, all over West Africa, East Africa, Tanzania. And it's so colorful and beautiful because, you know, we have like multiple languages being spoken on the street in the same conversation between the same group of people. There are women and men, you know, dressed in these amazing, long, colorful robes, um, representative of their countries and their cultures, um, yet they speak the local language. There are many little shops around, you know, where you can find clothing and jewelry and hair products and 
there's music, you know, blasting from some shops and there are different types of foods available. And, you know, it is not your, your typical posh area. Let's just put it that way. But it's so authentic. It's so rich. It's so beautiful to experience that. And I drive through there every single day on my way to work. And it's absolutely, you're right, and it's absolutely multicultural. People are, are polyglot. Every person speaks several languages. And Swahili itself, which is the lingua franca of the region, is a melting pot of different languages. Bantu, absolutely. Arabic, Portuguese, you have everything in Swahili. So it, this dimension of multiculturalism, of openness, is an incredible and unique dimension of that region in which you are in. But what I, what I wanted to add as well is that I feel that that has definitely contributed towards the, the healing process of Burundi as a whole, because I think this is the first time in history that Burundi has been populated by this vast amount of culture and you know these exchanges are happening before Burundi was basically made up of three um three cultures let's just put it that way and um you know now it's it's very very difficult to actually know where someone is from and what their background is you know so that even contributes towards the fights that were being perpetuated between you know the local groups um so now it's being broken basically because You know, Claire isn't the Claire of 1980, you know, and Margot of 2020 is influencing her and the way she sees the world and the way she communicates and the way she appreciates. Um, so the view, the focus is not just it's not linear anymore. You know, it's it's broadened, it's grown, it's blossomed, you know, into something that definitely promotes healing through all of the cultural activities and, and, and expressions. Wow. Maybe creativity and fashion really can give a contribution to one of the big challenges of the world of today, which is multicultural democracies, having the capacity to live together in diversity and cherishing diversity. Yes, and I do have a, a tremendous appreciation for my artisans, the artisans I work with, because they play a key role in, you know, the end product. I can say to them, look, so this is the design plan and this is what we're going to make. And someone can say, but do you know that, you know, there's a story about that shape that you like so much, you know, or, you know, if we change the necklace just a little bit, then actually it would remind us about, you know, our kings of the past, you know, these kinds of things where they pull me deeper and deeper into the true meaning of, of what I'm trying to express and adding their bits to it. It really, it's refreshing. It's refreshing and it definitely adds a great dimension to my work and the expression. Can I ask you what sorts of reactions you get from your customers, from retailers, and also from the international community, if you like, because you are a very, you know, you've worked in London, you've lived in different countries, but your work is seen all over the world. What kinds of reactions do you get? <laughs> very, very lovely, lovely reactions, actually. And I think the best compliment we've received is that, you know, the jewelry is very modern. You know, I hear people saying, you know, your jewelry is so modern, yet we can connect to, to tradition, yet we can connect to artistry, yet we can connect to nature. And uh, that's an amazing thing for me to hear that, that, that what we're doing 
it's not just sustainable. It doesn't just, you know, produce jobs and these kinds of things, but it's relevant. You know, it's relevant to the world we're living in today. And, you know, we can actually use what we're doing and use the relevance as a means of communicating other messages about love and about artistry and about sustainability and about, you know, how the world is a village and how we can work together, you know, to kind of sustain it and build it and love it and care for it. Margot, I feel very excited. We started talking about windows and I feel like this is a window. Timoni always talks about bridges and now I feel like I want to wax lyrically about windows because there's something about just this kind of other world that we can meet through the visual and through social media and through fashion and the way that we see it and interact with it, not just buy it. And you also started to talk about how luxury wasn't for sale. I think there's something in this. What do you think? I think as as a nation, Burundi has not been known for the best things, yeah? But when I travel to New York and I'm at a trade show and someone sees that I'm from Burundi and that the jewelry are made in Burundi and that they're so wonderfully made, it brings them in, it draws them in and they want to know, how is it possible for you to have such an outcome from such a dark place? And it actually helps me to tell the story, you know, to tell the story of being in a dark place and as the world sees it or as, as, as it's perceived, because it is a perception and being able to share the true story, you know, of, of where it comes from and, and the value of the people who produce it. And that, that definitely adds value to the story and it adds value to the product as well. And it is something that I feel like, People have gone out of their way to have conversations with me about Burundi and about getting to know the people and getting to know the artisans through the jewelry. Yes, we love the jewelry and we're going to buy your jewelry and it's beautiful, but we're really, really interested in in where it's coming from and, you know, and uh, why you care so much about where it's coming from, why you care so much to tell the story. I have to just ask you, did you just have a baby? (laughs) Yes. I have five amazing, beautiful... How old are they? So we have twins, a boy and a girl. They're 12. They'll be 13 this year. And we have a 10-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a (laughs) (laughs) two-month-old. You're incredible. I have three daughters, and they know what it means to raise large families. But five is really an accomplishment. I know it's amazing. I, I'm really, I'm really grateful actually for the opportunity for so many reasons. But you know, I've seen about myself that it's possible to be a mom, to be an entrepreneur, to be an artist, a creative, to be so many things, and to be excellent at them, just through passion and love, you know, and perseverance. I spent I've, since my baby was born for the the after the first week I, I started working again and you know with the EFI because this is important to me it's very important to me and it's important to them that we're able to to do the work and to be excellent at the work but to sit down feeding my baby and on my computer working on my design plan it's amazing you know I'm seeing that I can actually do things that I never imagined before 
So, yes. <laughs> and speaking about that and speaking about going back to work, how did you find the experience with the accelerator of the EFI? And more in general, what do you think emerging designers or new brands or growing brands like yours need to step up their business globally and also at home? The EFI Accelerator Program is, is a dream. It's a dream program, absolute dream for me. It's something that I've, I've wanted, and I'm a person of faith, so it's something that I've prayed for for a long time. And basically, you know, being able to, to meet with people on the same level, as in we're together in the same room, And they can look at my work and look at my expression and look at what I'm trying to do and say, listen, you are amazing. I love what you do. This is how we can help you to progress. You know, what's your vision? Where would you like to end up in the next five years? Where would you like to go? This is how we can help you. And so we have the Susies and the Oceans and the Sadiets and the, the lovely Simones. And, you know, all of you are working together to help my business progress which is so powerful and it's such an amazing expression of, of love, you know, because what this does for me is it empowers me as a person, as a woman, that I am able to grow and extend my hand to others who also need to be lifted up because that's what you're doing for me. I'm being lifted up and, and empowered in such amazing ways. I mean, I look at my own social media, you know, from a year and a half ago and today And I am personally blown away because the transformation has been amazing. You know, it has been difficult. I'm not going to say it's been an easy ride, you know, because the expectation is huge, you know, because the EFI understands the talent and understands what it takes to pull the talent out, you know, and to grow the business. So I've been, I've been trying to be a good student. I've been trying to be humble and to take advice and to get my work done on time. <laughs> But I believe that, you know, emerging designers, you know, um, like myself, definitely need this. We need the mentorship. We need the guidance. We need the encouragement. You know, I, I have cried, you know, on a masterclass before, I've cried in meetings with the EFI team before um, because it's difficult to do it alone. It's very, very, very difficult. And we all as humans need someone who believes in us and who sees our future as a bright one, you know, living in Burundi and I'm going to cry now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> living in Burundi where so many people are hopeless I have a lot of hope and um, I can see how it inspires people around me. It inspires so many people and I couldn't have done it without the EFI. It's the truth. I couldn't, I had a dream. I wanted to do it, but I couldn't have done it because my skill sets and my experience is not enough. Of course, no man is an island. You know, so when I met all of these wonderful people and everyone just started to pitch in and everyone is amazing at what they do, you know. And so for me to sit back and say, wow, my business, my brand, 
me, I as a person, I'm in great hands and I can see that the future is bright for myself. I can see that my peers around me in Burundi, other designers, artists, you know, they're being drawn in. They want to know how, how, how have you moved from this to that in such a short period? You know, what does it take? You know, and I can tell them because I've done it and I've done it with the help of the EFI. So thank wow. you. Wow, Margot, <laughs> thank you so much. And, and I would like to close repeating one of your sentences, which is so beautiful. No human being is an island. We also say that in Swahili, Ntu ni watu. Wow. Thank you. Asante. Thank that you. That was thank lovely. You. Asante sana. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening, my friends. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at ethicalfashioninitiative.org and we are on Instagram at ethicalfashion. And don't forget to share the episode with your friends and with colleagues and with anyone you think would benefit from it. We love it when you tell other people. Blah. I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Can you help spread the word and share our story with your friends on social media? Our mission is to work towards sustainable development and create long-term impact in the communities where we operate. Through extensive training and mentorship, we build capacity and enable artisans to produce for the international market. Through this program, workers are empowered and can lift themselves out of poverty. Not charity, just work. <laughs>